0: Absolutely. Bring out the philosopher after the drummer. That sounds like a great idea on a Friday night. I want to think for a few minutes with you about the work, work and the good life. And I want to dive into four themes. So this is this is I'm not going to inundate you, but I want to touch on four themes. The first is this. Think about your work as the way you image God. Your work is the way you bear God's image in the world. Of course, in Genesis, God talks about the fact that humanity is created in his image. But when you look at the text of Genesis 1 and 2, what you realize is that bearing God's image is actually a mission. It's a task. The entire cosmos is the sanctuary, is God's temple. And like all of the other rival gods who have temples, and then they place this image in there that's dead and inert and does nothing. God, who is the true God, has an entire cosmos that is his temple, and inside he places it living image bearers, which is us. And so we are royal ambassadors, we are vice regents, we are called to bear God's image in and to the world, and in some ways there's actually a lot of royal metaphors and imagery that are going on in Genesis 1 and 2, so that in some sense we, by being placed in creation with a mission and a task, are there to bear God's image by really extending in some way God's rule on earth. That is the ultimate framework for thinking about our work. So what does that look like? Well, It looks like exactly then what the mission and task is that's given to humanity in Genesis chapter one. We are called to unfurl and unpack and unfold the potential that God has packed into his creation. He deputizes us to be the ones who unfurl and unfold that. Right, think of in Genesis 1, 28 to 30, our task as image bearers is threefold. First, to be fruitful and multiply best part of the task. Secondly, to cultivate the earth, right, which is, and when you hear that sense of cultivating, it's this unpacking, right, it's, it's bringing out the potential that there is in the soil, and then to have dominion over creation, that is, we are responsible for its management, its stewardship, and so on. So creation, of course, at the end of the creation account, it, God tells us that it is very good, but then one thing that we have to live into and realize is that it's not done. It's not finished. It's very good, but creation is not called into existence with art museums and schools and hospitals and and houses. All of those are things are waiting to be realized by us in our work. So our work is how we bear God's image. It's how we extend God's rule. It's how we unfurl and unpack the potential, the good that God has packed into his creation, waiting for it to be unfolded. It's why Tolkien says that in many ways, we as creations are sub-creators. We're deputized with that task. And creation in scripture gives us the norms to know what it looks like to unfold that work well. So, the first principle then is that if you want to do good work, you have to become the kind of people who want what God wants. That's what will govern good work. We will be good workers, we will be good image bearers, just to the extent that we want for creation what God wants. Second theme. Because of this conviction, the biblical vision of good work also includes an expanded sense of what counts as work an expanded sense of what counts as work. I think it's very important that we not fall prey to the sort of consumerist, industrialist lie that says that the only work that counts as work is work that earns a wage. There is all kinds of good work that is not waged. Indeed, I would wager, that the most important and most unappreciated and underappreciated work in our culture is the work of homemaking. Homemaking is hard work and good work. There used to be a a group of moms from Princeton who uh, had a blog that was called Building Cathedrals. And it was a blog about raising children. Because they realized that, in fact, they had given themselves over to a vocation, a calling, work, that by investing in the formation of their children, in managing a household, you are building cathedrals that bear witness to God's glory. That, too, is work. So we have an incredible sense of what we are doing when we work. We have an expanded sense of what counts as work. And then third... We, of all people, because of these convictions, should be attuned to the tragedy of unemployment and the injustice of work that dehumanizes and degrades. That is, and and by that, I don't mean that we should just be concerned about obviously blatantly sinful professions. I mean we should be concerned about modes of work and work environments that reduce human image bearers to mindless cogs in a machine or fail to honor their creativity and intellectual rigor or fail to compensate workers justly. The prophet Malachi is so stinging on this point Listen to his pronouncement. He says, Yahweh will put on trial those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows or the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice, but do not fear me. That's a concern about good work. And I sometimes I worry, you know, there's a bit of a buzz, a bit of a kind of au courant faith and work movement right now, which mostly to me looks like a lot of people in white-collar privileged jobs getting to think about why they're serving Jesus when they're in finance in Manhattan, and there are hardly ever people there in coveralls. And so just to the extent that our concern with faith in work is equally attuned to the realities and injustices of unemployment, which which just grinds down the honor and dignity of being human, or the way that the modes of work degrade and dehumanize workers, then I'll believe that we have a faith in work movement. Then finally, I think we all need to be attuned to how worship fuels our work, how worship fuels our work. Our work Is generated as much by what we want as what we believe and so if we are made to be makers I think that's what Genesis 1 tells us we are made to be makers but as makers we remain lovers so if if you are what you love then you make what you love your cultural labor your work whether it's in finance or fine arts whether it's as a fireman or a first grade teacher is animated less probably by principles that you carry in your head and more by habits of desire and longing that you've acquired from the liturgies that you've given yourself over to, which is why all of us as culture makers, as workers, as meaning creators need to now sort of curate our unconscious. We need to be attentive to the formation of our imagination and our wants. So whether you're an entrepreneur who's launching a tech startup or you're first-time parents who are starting a family, your creative work as a human being made in God's image is sort of pulled out of you by your attraction to some vision of the good life. So imagine that our work, our making, bubbles up from our imagination, which is fueled by a story about what flourishing looks like. So we all carry some governing story in our bones that shapes our work more than we might realize. And it's exactly another reason why we need to ask ourselves, whose story are we rehearsing in the rituals we give ourselves over to? If you are what you love and you make what you want, then we need to be attentive to how our wants are formed. What do we want? Do we want what God wants for his world? We need to curate our loves, which is the storehouse of our governing stories. So we have to be careful what we worship. It will shape what we want. And it's why immersing yourself in the imagination station that is the church is an integral aspect of your professional development, no matter what your work is. Thank you.